Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? There is a war for our souls. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for everyone who's joining us today and in the days to come through the archives. We bless them, Father, with the revelation of your love and your truth, that they would come into the knowledge of the fullness of who you are and how you go before them and how you are with them in the midst of their fiery trials and their tests, Father. That it is your job to bring forth the bride who's been cast into the ditch and trampled, Lord God, to bring her up, to bring her, to grow her up, to raise her up, to prepare her to be the bride of Christ. And we thank you, Father, for giving us today eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive that revelation. We thank you again for our special guest. And we ask, Father, that we would speak as the oracles of God, that the things that you've shown us that will become true and revelatory to the others as well, that we will stand in having done all to stand, and that we'll keep you your word, Lord, as you keep your promise that no weapon formed against us will prosper. And so we pray for divine covering and protection for us and for our families because we know this is war. And we pray that you cover each one of us, those who work for us, pray for us, and love us. Love us. Cover those who have looked to you for help this day with peace and power and protection, the revelation of Jesus Christ, that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that no word said, no deed done, no action taken, no accusation or incrimination will be able to be used by the enemy to bring forth any shame, trouble, reproach, or entanglement, Father, that you set us free from the snares of the fowler for the glory of God. And we thank you, Jesus, that you are the faithful witness. You come to testify because your testimony brings freedom and truth. So give us wisdom and grace now, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. And we thank you for joining us this morning and our special guest today on this very special day with this topic of overcoming, being an overcomer in an increasingly hostile world, our guest today is Dana Malkow. And Dana, I'm sorry, uh, you are just, what you call yourself is an everyday person, which I kind of think is a, you know, a little bit of a less than, but Dana's been an awesome filmmaker, researcher, teacher, lecturer, thinker, understanding and, and decide, d- desiring to understand the Word of God as it is applied to practical situations in everyday life. So Dana, welcome to the show. Yes, good morning, Margie. Okay, Thank you. good morning. Hey, are you 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 are the one who came up with this title, Overcoming, uh, and being an overcomer in an increasingly hostile world. Can you give us a little introduction of how you got where what you're overcoming, what's going on, how you uh got introduced into this subject that you want to talk about today and then you can begin to show us what God has been showing you. How did you how did you yes. get started in this? Yes, well, as you know, I did a DVD series called Falling to Pieces where I really was calling out this generation to um, not fall prey to the world system that is forming, the one world system mm-hmm. that is hostile yeah. to God. And, and um, you know, like you, I'm, I, I was being used by God as a mouthpiece, kind of like an Elijah, um, just really trying to call out the false teachings and to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Excellent series. <laughs> right. Basically, after it got released, my life fell to pieces. So oh, great. the title was kind of ironic because very appropriate because uh, literally everything in my life fell to pieces. And 
when I just heard your ambulance and, you know, the EMT in the beginning of the radio show, it just kind of made my heart pound because, you know, I haven't gone through physical illness. Um, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people struggling with cancer and things like that. I didn't go through physical illness, but I've I've gone through just a complete emotional attack, mm-hmm. and it is traumatizing. It's it's I'm coming to you with post traumatic stress, not post traumatic, <laughs> but post traumatic because I've had complete drama slash trauma, so and it's deep, uh, it's, it's P deep, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just as debilitating PDD. though. It's just as debilitating. It has laid me out flat. Um, and, and there are just real physical, um, you feel physically sick to your stomach, you know, uh-huh. just um, weak, my my heart pounding, you know, just mm-hmm. being flat out debilitated, not in a physical way, but literally mm-hmm. being mobilized. And mm-hmm. I realized that through my life, um, probably my greatest fear is fear of rejection. Mm-hmm. And my greatest weakness is false accusation. And this has plagued me my whole life, and it's come through really? different people at different times. Uh, just well, a the, complete rejection from those I love, no matter what I do. And a lot of mm-hmm. it's based on false accusation, a misreading of my intentions, a misreading of my character. And so I feel like I'm always trying to defend myself and who I am. And I think that mm-hmm. Satan kind of takes our weaknesses and he tailor makes a plan of attack that is perfect. <laughs> it's like exactly. the perfect storm. Exactly. It's, Your it's almost like he, right. he, yeah, it's almost like he knew me and studied me so well that he well, created actually, a perfect storm. He, he not life. only studied you, I dear, but I think he also sets us up, programs us to be vulnerable to the things he's going to bring later in our life. So those open doors were already available to him through the generations exactly. and, of course, through yeah. Go ahead. Exactly. Through my own sins, through generational things, through what you would call programs. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that's been unrelenting. Uh, mm-hmm. I refer to it kind of as a Jezebel or Saul spirit, and it's very unrelenting in that just when you think it's gone, it crops up through someone Again. else or a different circumstance. Mm-hmm. And it moves from one source to the next. Okay. And um, I have some adjectives to kind of, or actually verbs, just a few of them, because I think a lot of li- a lot of the listeners maybe will relate to this in one degree or another. Uh-huh. What I've just gone through is very extreme. Um, it was my worst nightmare lived. There's also different degrees of this that we can experience as right. Christians, and in our world, as this one world system is mm-hmm. forming, and as the agendas are being passed, and even within our government, some of the laws being changed and things like that, we right. as Christians are going to be more attacked. As absolutely, we um, absolutely, yeah. near, like this is all prepped for Antichrist, but I yeah. don't think well, just, most just Christians in, just can in, imagine what's going to happen. And I just want exactly. to add to what you're saying is that, yeah, your your very specific personal experience is a very appropriate um, uh, platform from which to learn because I see this all the time in counseling to people ensnared in witchcraft, accusations, bad relationships, everything from bullying to Bad to, to bad marriages to um, like you say accusations. I think accusations is a huge part of that. So go ahead, and uh, I just want to tell you people that just apply this. This is helpful, and it's been you've learned it well, and I believe you've paid the price to learn it. So w- go ahead with the. Uh, oh, there the, is there's a dear price to pay. Oh, yeah. But Margie, something that you said to me really hit me, 
And when you said watch the words you say, because a lot of times the words we say are what the enemy will use then to come against us. And when we agree with these mm-hmm. accusations, we actually, or agree with our fears, he can leverage yep. that. And yeah. I realized that throughout even the last three years, I've been saying, ah, oh, accusation, false accusation is my greatest weakness. And I caught myself, I just was delivered from this a couple weeks ago. But I caught myself saying it, and I, I thought of you, Margie, and I thought, mm-hmm. wait a minute, would God be telling me my weakness is false accusation? No, he'd be telling me that in my weakness I'm made strong. Amen. So how am I made strong? And that's what I kind of want to get into in this series is how I was made strong and how we as Christians need to be strengthened to prepare for mm-hmm. what's to come. Mm-hmm. So he's going he's gonna to turn this into good. And, and you're right, there, there's a dear price to pay, these lessons easily. (laughs) They're not cheap. No, not at all. But um, through through this whole process, he did eventually deliver me from my fears. And uh, my weakness is no longer my weakness, it's my strength. Mm -hmm. And uh, I like to show that as we go through this. But I just put together a few verbs just to get people to think of experiences they've had. And just to give just to give a greater feel for what I'm talking about. Um, We mentioned accusation blame. A lot of times we're criticized as Christians. We're not speaking the same language as the world around us. They don't understand it. So a lot of times we're criticized. There's uh, often character assassination, mm-hmm. gossip, insults, mocking, uh, discrediting us, um, doubting our integrity, uh, put-downs, humiliation, people bad-mouthing, pointing their finger, um, condemning, uh, being misunderstood misinterpreted, mm-hmm. um, having our words twisted. Yeah. It, it reminds me of when people take one line out of the Bible and then twist yeah. it. That's what Satan's a master at. So, yeah. so taking a few of our words and twisting them, using half truth without the context, uh, mm-hmm. sometimes it's downright lies, um, mm-hmm. misreading our intentions, distorting what we say, exaggerating, manipulating. These are just a few. As I go through the scriptures, mm-hmm. the scriptures mm-hmm. are full of this, especially in the Psalms of King David. He was mm-hmm. really, um, he struggled so horribly against people who were coming at him um, with just hurling accusation, and they yeah. would gloat. And they would, they, you know, when he was really down and out, they would just get satisfaction. Like, look at him. Like, what a loser. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. There, there's, yeah. there's a gloating element to it, a mocking element. Superiority. Um, kind of superiority. There's a, there's a pride, yes. Self-righteousness. So these are, mm-hmm. Exactly. So these are just some of the verbs. Um, and later on we can go into more of the whole personality profile. But this is just uh, 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 the result of, result you know, of it. This is this what's coming reminds me. This reminds It's all summed up. All of these verbs, Dana, can be summed up in the verse, in the, in the warning. Jesus gave us, I see it uh, as I was reading this morning in Matthew 10, 22, and you will be mm-hmm. hated, hated mm-hmm. by yep. all. For my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. So that word hated really sums up this vicious Mm -hmm. assault against, and it's truly the opposite of love. It's truly the opposite of forgiveness and long suffering and patience and kindness. And and it's so it's it's what the world will do. It's because it's who they are. It's the world. It's the and they're motivated uh-huh. by the evil one. So, as we're talking about what you're saying, these verbs of being assaulted, slandered, set up, accused, lied about, lied to, uh, uh, 
you know, character assassination as we're being set up. In, I really believe that the snare Satan uses to set us up in promoting this kind of assault against us comes from a spirit of witchcraft and rebellion, hatred and contempt for the people of God. It seems like the enemy targets the people of God and he finds others who are willing to be like his little uh, machine gun to shoot at the believers yes. and uh, try right. to destroy us, take us out. I mean, right. like, cause us to, to cause us to become double-minded about who we are, try to become unsure yeah. of who we are in our own identity and our relationship with Christ. And the other question is then where is God? Why is he let, letting all these bad things happen? Um, just like with yes. Job. I mean, he didn't understand the behind the scenes, but we do. You know? Yeah, Margie, that's exactly it. But, like Jezebel attacked Elijah. So yeah. this yeah. spirit is attacking who was, who was Elijah? Mm-hmm. He, was, he was a prophet of God. He was a mouthpiece of God. He was bold. He was um, really making an impact for truth. Mm-hmm. And he was, mm-hmm. of course, just like any of the other prophets, shunned by a, a culture that just wanted to live the lust of their flesh. Yeah. But that it's across the board. Saul in the New Testament, he was attacking Christians. So this spirit mm-hmm. comes up against God's anointed, and what it does is it tries to immobilize them, and it's very effective in immobilizing them um, if it's handled in the wrong way. And uh, it if quenches the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right. It's, and that's, it, it, it really quenches the work of the Holy Spirit. It, it, it creates a debris field. I lived mm-hmm. in a debris field of dissension, um, wrecked relationships, just a ton of pain, anger. hurt, confusion, mm-hmm. anger. You're walking on eggshells. You can't mm-hmm. even get your bearings. Mm-hmm. And um, the best analogy yes. I have is, is, you know, the best analogy I have is like that um, when you go to the fair or arcade and they have that game where the little mole pops up out of the hole and you have to whack mm-hmm. him with the hammer and then another mole pops up and you have to whack him with the hammer and you're just like whacking, whacking, like these accusations are becoming. Yes, whack-a-mole, and you're constantly just trying to, like, okay, i got to handle this accusation, now I have to handle this one and this one. And you're, you're like a fire. dog yeah. chasing its mm-hmm. tail. Mm-hmm. It's like a dog chasing its tail. You're just running around mm-hmm. putting out fires. And what mm-hmm. happens then is that you are no longer doing the work of God. You're no longer being effective because all your time and energy and talent mm-hmm. is so consuming. It, it's so messy with your mind. Like when you're you distracted. Say it, it, yeah, and it messes with your, your own confidence. And that's what the spirit does is it gets you to second guess um, right. because the way it's twisted and turned around, it always makes it look like you're the one that's at fault. You're the one to blame. There's something wrong with you. You're mm-hmm. set up to make it look mm-hmm. like there's something wrong in your character and you start to second guess yourself. Absolutely. And it really, if you look at, yeah, if you look at Elijah, I mean, he, even though he stood up against the prophet of Jezebel yeah. the next day, he was suicidal. I mean, it's, yes, it's such it's a yes. mm-hmm. helpless it's depressing. It's discouraging. Mm-hmm. It really and my life. Self-esteem. Yeah, Job, Elijah, end my life. Get me out of here. Wish I'd never been born. I hate my life. You know, and it kind of goes back into a self uh, introspection uh, that the enemy guides us through. It's kind of like a self analysis. Take we're going on this tour of our life as guided by the spirit of the evil one who's trying to get me to say more words about myself that are incriminating and. Giving him a justification and hitting us harder, uh, and so the the, the temptation right. for us is either to feel sorry for ourselves or to give up. I think Elijah did right. a little bit of both. You know? 
what what that is is you get into it's very easy to slip into victim mentality where, where you feel right. wrong, you feel betrayed. Right. There's mm-hmm. a bunch of unfair accusations. You mm-hmm. can't get your side of the story out. No one will listen to your side of the story. The whole thing eats at you day and night. You can't stop mm-hmm. talking about it. You become confused with the issue until you mm-hmm. lose your focus completely. And um, sometimes you start to say or do stupid things, foolish things. You lose your temper. You hurt others, you can hurt yourself, and you can do even more permanent damage, and you end up more miserable and frustrated well, and trust and guilty. So it's a vicious all cycle. Of this, where you, yeah, and all of this is just the, the I, I think the enemy is using all of this to just get us to give him a justification for what he's doing. He, You know, we're not doing the things we're accused of, but then we end up doing something stupid, so now they have some evidence that we have we're doing what they say, and so now they're justified in accusing us. So they push, exactly. push, push until you um, cave, and then they use that cave in uh, tantrum that you or that retaliation yes. or that you slip up and say one word, and then yes. now they've got their hook, and they've been poking at you for right. they've been poking at you forever. Exactly. Uh-huh. They poke, poke. Satan has has them poking your buttons, poking your buttons, poking your buttons, mm-hmm. and then uh-huh. eventually you snap. You can think, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to be forgiving, I'm going to extend grace, I'm going to right, hold my right. breath. You can do that for so long. I'm going to believe God. Yeah. You snap. <laughs> and then yeah. you, you lash out and you get upset and then they say, see, she's crazy, but they don't yep. know what led to it. So yeah. then you even feel more guilty, more. Right. It's such a vortex. You're just spiraling down into a horrible yeah. And then you have to go vortex. back to square one to start all yes. over with your consistent faith, peace, loving, forgiving, but you know what? Bottom line is they don't want to believe that. They don't want to receive that because their own demon of rebellion has blinded yeah. them. I'm thinking of some particular people. They're, they're, they are actually used by Satan, don't know it, think they're doing God a service. They're that tor- tormented, twisted, perverted, and blinded. They don't see themselves as, I mean, they don't, when people judge other people, somehow they think they're not people. They must think they're God. You know, taking the place mm-hmm. of the lawgiver, it says in James. And so when people are making opinions, forming opinions about others and then verbalizing them and then, then making them, then assaulting the people of God, who do they think they are um, mm-hmm. as they challenge us in thinking, who do we think we are? We are all, right. you know, equal before God. God's going to judge everybody. Um, they're not superior, although that's a blinding, I think, in their spirits. And, it's and a pride. It's a, it's pride. a pride and a blindness, a yeah. It, yeah, I think the, I think like what you said, it, it reminds me of the scripture that in the end people call evil good and good evil. Right. So the people that exactly. are doing evil, they literally think they're doing the work of God. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, it, so, yeah. It, Let me just give you a, an example. It's totally off the subject, but it just happened this morning. Um, someone in our area has bats in their house and asked my husband to come over and help them, you know, put up a screen and da-da-da. So they had to check with the DNR. And did you know it's illegal to kill a bat? It's illegal. So they have these special screens (laughs) of bats that fly in and roll out and not be hurt. And yet it's not illegal to kill a baby. We cannot shoot crows. We cannot shoot bats. Um, I don't know if we can do coyotes or not. But uh, people are literally, I heard this yesterday, people are literally being put in prison, not jail, prison for shooting accidentally an animal that was on the protected list that they didn't even know what it was when they trapped it wow. or shot it. And they're being turned in. This is crazy. And going to prison. So talk to me about good and evil. Evil as good, good as evil. We're nuts. 
We're crazy. We're insane. Right. It's all it's all upside down. <laughs> Insanity. And it's upside it, down, it's, right. But God predicted this, and I'm really seeing more and more how the world sees it one way. God sees it upside down. Even in my situation, what mm-hmm. I saw is just a world of hurt, and why isn't God answering prayer? And why am I, He saw it upside down in what He, he was saw it doing. as deliverance. He saw it as yes. deliverance because you and know what I, He was yeah, doing. Exactly. Because, you know, people forget this that in, wherever Satan is working, God is also working at the same place at the same time. To do the opposite thing. Now, you mentioned in the beginning that your two worst fears were the fear of, of uh, you know, rejection. Uh, being misunderstood or false accusation and the fear of being rejected. Mm-hmm. And your whole life, Satan was pl- preparing you for this final takeout, this final take you mm-hmm. down event. It literally was like a takeout, Margie. You're right. It was yeah. meant to take he you was out. Plotting was that to your, and he set you up in the very beginning to believe uh, of the fears of rejection, false accusation in the way you were raised and trained up. And so, but God was, it was now time for God to address these doors, these weak spots, yes. these open fears, mm-hmm. target areas that Satan has set up in you. God is says, ah, there's a flaw here in my workmanship that the devil made. I'm going to go back and fix it. I'm going to go back and make my daughter strong in, in my power, my might, my strength for my glory. And so people are afraid when they go through these fiery trials, they call them crucibles. But the testing of your faith is much more precious than gold. To, to God, it is precious that he can finally bring us through something to deliver us. Now, a lot of people in the midst of their trials crash and burn, but God's not done. He's always there to restart the system, go back and finish mm-hmm. the work that's begun. So, but go ahead. I'm yeah. sorry I'm interrupting you because I'm excited. But. That's okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting because a girlfriend of mine reminded me just about a month ago. She said, Dana, remember about a year ago you were saying how people don't see Jesus' character. They think all these awful things of him, and you just wanted to come to his defense. Mm -hmm. And you were really trying to understand the character slander he went through. She said, look at what happened. As you were trying to understand that, you came up against your own character slander in the worst way possible. So God really allowed me to get a further glimpse into what he dealt with. Well, can I say something about that? Dana, mm -hmm. that, you know, as you were trying to understand Jesus and his character assassination, the pain he felt, you were actually doing what Philippians, Paul says, we enter into the fellowship of his sufferings. And I think a lot of people Mm -hmm. in their trials think that they're being tested because either they're bad or people think they're bad or God's mad at them. But really, it's a it's a super precious privilege to enter into the fellowship of his sufferings. A lot of people, I know some people who are married to the bride of Christ as she is now, which is, she's a mess, and their wives are messes, and God is teaching them through dealing with their their wife uh, and, and her pain and issues and da-da-da, how he must deal with the bride of Christ. So you're entering into the fellowship of Christ's sufferings when he was assassinated, you know, and his character slandered, slammed, whatever. That's a privilege. Right, and that was such a light bulb moment, and that's when I realized in my weakness I'm being made strong. Amen. So my weakness is accusation, but in it I'm being made strong in that I'm understanding what Christ went through, and I'm Amen. understanding how to handle it, what to do, what are we to do as a bride when we're beat up, battered by this world Amen. that's becoming increasingly hostile. So God gave me the answers. He allowed me to go through three years of dead-end road of trying to uh-huh. do it on my own, and I'll, I'll get to that, but... I think I do want to talk about um, the glimpse I got into God's character assassination. For the Good. first time, this was only 
a couple weeks ago, really where I got my deliverance from this, is I, for the first time, understood what the word blaspheme means. I always mm-hmm. thought blasphemy was just turning your back on God and saying you don't need him, but it's not. Blasphemy is a complete defamation of character. It's a defaming of God's divine majesty. It's an attack and an injury on his reputation and his honor. And mm-hmm. now I see why it's the, the one sin that's not forgivable. Now I see why. Why is mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. Well, look at what happens. It's through malicious statements, through false truths, through maligning, through slander, through deception, through lies, that his whole mm-hmm. character slipped upside down. So what's yeah. good is evil, what's evil is good. And right. Satan does that by taking and twisting and distorting and perverting, just like what's been done to me. I can I could speak in the situation I was in, I could speak, you know, 20 minutes of truth, but one mm-hmm. sentence is taken out of context and twisted and used against mm-hmm. me and that's what happens to God's word and the Bible and mm-hmm. this is considered to be malignant and mm-hmm. that it's not just deadly like you know a malignant cancer is deadly to the body physical body right. this blasphemy right. is malig- malignant to the whole spiritual body of Christ right. and, and to the um, person who's who's practicing it individually as well right um, it's it's the spirit of Jezebel it's the spirit of Antichrist it's a and it's really designed of God's to, love. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's really designed to halt God's intended purposes and ministry and those called by him. And, and what yeah. it is is it destroys integrity. Um right. you know, exactly. let me give you an example of Joseph when Potiphar's wife came in and, and made it look mm-hmm. like Joseph was raping her. Mm-hmm. It really destroyed um his integrity. Now even if that was taken to trial and he was found to be innocent Still, people mm-hmm. to this day would think of that when they think of him. Because even that's if your true. name is cleared, it's never mm-hmm. the same. There's a foundation that's been rocked. And mm-hmm. you're not seen as, as steadfast or adhering to strict moral code. You don't mm-hmm. appear as sound as you used to be. So your mm-hmm. integrity is put into question. And then what happens is that destroys your credibility. You're no, belie- right. no longer believable. Right. You're and no that, longer and, trustworthy. Yes. Exactly. You're no longer reliable. Witnesses. Right. Right. And right. so it causes a lot of doubt and confusion and um is very difficult to rebuild it if you ever can rebuild it. You're always questioned, people are always suspicious. And what happens so integrity is destroyed, which destroys credibility, which destroys your whole character, the character assassination, and then your reputation's ruined, you're defamed, you lose influence, you're vilified. See, that's why yeah. this is an unforgivable sin. Well, and when you go back to it, everything everything we believe in, everything God has promised is based on God's character. It's based on his integrity, exactly. his honor, his truth, his word, that he keeps his word, that he's good. And when Satan vilifies the character of God and gets people to believe it, they blaspheme, they reject God completely. There is no turning back because it is basically, I see the unpardonable sin, you know, it's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Is Well, the Holy Spirit is then sent to lead us into all truth and to cause us to come to repentance when we need to and to uh, confess our sins. But if we reject, believe that God is bad and that there's no point to it, then we're going to become, um, we're going to be taken out by that spirit of blasphemy and hardness of heart and rejection of God's love and not believing his truth. And that begins to um, cause us to not be able to ask for forgiveness and I believe that our unpardonable right. sin is the one that can't be forgiven, and the one that can't be forgiven is the one you won't ask for forgiveness for. 
Now, if you've practiced hardness against God, hardness of heart or blasphemy or or even you profaned him, you know, used his name in vain and hardened your heart and said, I'm never going to. You can still repent if you uh, if you work with the Holy Spirit who's been sent to lead you into all truth. However, if you reject the counsel of God that he's given us to bring us back to himself and to forgiveness, if we forget, if we re- refuse to ask for forgiveness, the sin cannot be forgiven. And that's exactly what you're saying, that we mm-hmm. are hardened in our hearts like Pharaoh was, or or we uh, or be, we become bitter and skeptical and scoffing like so many are these days in the world system, and I believe because they're scoffers and they reject God's goodness and love and counsel, because they they believe the lies, they will be the ones who will be um, more prone to go with the Antichrist, the New World Order, and the destruction of mankind. Right. Well, the entire personality you just outlined of a hardened heart, someone who's very prideful and arrogant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the the root of that is they don't see God's character clearly. So right. the root of it is the character assassination against God, because then they're not going to submit to a God that they appear that appears to be sadistic or uncaring or detached or whatever the lie is. Right. And Satan manipulates things so that God's character is turned upside down. Right? What's right. good is evil. What's evil is good. Right. Absolutely. So, we see it everywhere. And Right, and when you describe someone with a hardened heart, I think of Saul in the New Testament. Um, think of him. He had no conviction of evil, like you were talking about just earlier. He had a seared conscience. He mm-hmm. was completely demonically charged. He and thought he, he was doing stop, God a service. <laughs> he thought, and he would stop at nothing. So think about that. He's blaspheming God. Now, how can you, what are we to do against a Saul? Because against this is what kind we're of coming an attack. up against. Yeah. Yeah, right. well, okay, imagine Saul on the road to Damascus. Would any bit of reasoning gotten mm-hmm. through to him? Could we have just gotten up there and just spoken the truth? Could we just quote scripture? Could we say, I'm praying for you? Could we try to cast yeah. out a demon? We could try to make all kinds of arguments, philosophical arguments, moral arguments, scriptural arguments. We could reasoning. try to kill him with kindness. We could try to kill him with love and kindness and grace and mercy and we could we could sit and pray on our knees for hours for him, mm-hmm. but would yeah. any of us gotten through? No, no, no. We, we couldn't get through. Why? Because this is God's battle. Only God could stop yeah. him on the road to Damascus and God's get him over the side. It's God's battle. So mm-hmm. this is the deal. Um, we have to get out of a defensive posture. When mm-hmm. I was facing this accusation, blame, and like I said, this vortex. I was in a defensive posture for three years mm-hmm. in that I was trying to and get And struggling. Through. Sounds like you were struggling. Yes, trying, so striving. You're trying, mm-hmm. you're trying to get through to the person, um, and you use all different strategies. Like, oh, I'm just going to give them grace. No matter how bad they treat me, I'm just going to give them grace. I'm just going to be mm-hmm. silent like Jesus did. Mm-hmm. And now, other times I would really try to reason, give arguments, give biblical um, analysis, they call it analysis paralysis, where you analyze the situation <laughs> and you become paralyzed because you always think, okay, if I word it this way, I'm going to get through. Okay, if I if I say this, it'll get through or that. Mm-hmm. Or if I really pray harder or, you know, I need to do different spiritual warfare prayers, whatever it is, I tried mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. under the sun. The problem mm-hmm. is, is that no defensive posture will work because it's a right. matter of someone living in their carnal nature, their flesh, their Well, can their I say something about flesh. that defensive defensive posture? Uh, just mm-hmm. as a, that people, Christians who are praying for 
loved ones, children, husbands, wives, situations that are where their loved ones are entangled, or family members, relatives, friends, whatever, entangled in this kind of battle. Maybe people are praying for that situation, or maybe you're praying for yourself, and you're praying from a defensive point of view, as you said. That's like saying, oh, God, please, you know, help me, blah, blah, blah. And I say the offensive is you do what God gave you power to do. Bind, loose, forgive, know the truth, walk in the spirit, and go on. Now, what does that all mean? And you're helping us unravel that. But I think a lot of people don't understand the offensive nature of, you know, what we're called to do down here. Not to be offensive, but... Yeah, in, in, well, this is the deal <laughs> but you, Go ahead. This is the deal. Even, I mean, I prayed spiritual warfare, praise, prayers, all that stuff. But look at the apostles. 11 out of 12 were killed for their faith. Right. But even though they could have prayed to their heart's content against the Roman emperors who were persecuting them, they still got beheaded. They still got burned at the stake. They got devoured by lions. They got crucified upside down. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we can... I think the key is we can't pray with any kind of selfish intent. In other words, for right. me to pray for this person to stop doing what they're doing because it's going to make my life easier better. or my life yeah. better mm-hmm. or relieve some of the stress I'm under, it's mm-hmm. our prayers can't have any selfish motive. We have to completely die to self. And I think that's the number one thing I learned is dying to self. Well, and, and going uh, back to the apostles and the early Christians, yeah, there was all this persecution going on, and they, they were pretty much knowing that they were going to be face, facing martyrdom. But what did they do? Did they try to stop? Did they get political? Did they try to stop Nero? What? No, they just kept preaching the gospel. They kept going forward, doing the selfless thing, dying to themselves, like you said, and just being the witness for Christ. Yeah, they and, didn't. And they didn't look they did? to the right or to the left. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. You know what they did? They sang hymns while they were being burned at the stake. Mm-hmm. They sang and worshipped God while lions were devouring them. Mm-hmm. Why is that? That's our offense. You see, no weapon can be formed against us when we are in a state of praise. Mm-hmm. And it's a complete dying to self. It's seeking a greater level of holiness and devotion and consecration to God, a deeper mm-hmm. connection with God where the connection is so deep that mm-hmm. you've completely let go of what the world is doing to you to the point where you can even sing as you're dying. Mm-hmm. Worship while you're being led to the slaughter being burned in the stake, praising God. I think that, that praising and singing is the evidence or the indication that we have moved to that place yes. of dying to self yes. and a deeper, you know, in being immersed in God. And it's not about yes. me anymore. It's not about my comfort. It's not about what people are thinking about me or what they're saying or what they're just about to do to me. It's about the glory of God. And, um, and it's not being, about the so, outcome. It's not about the outcome. Exactly. Like I was praying for the fall in my life to be delivered. It wasn't about his deliverance. It wasn't about whether or not God was going to change his heart. It was about what God was right. going to do in my heart, in my side of the equation. Because like with the Roman Empire, emperors, they weren't going to stop the Roman emperors from killing them. So right. all you can do is focus on your side of the equation. Right. And my side of the equation is where, where is my heart? Where, what is coming off my tongue? Where, what are the thoughts in my mind? Mm-hmm. What are the intentions of my heart? What emotion am I, am I holding in my stomach? And when you get to mm-hmm. a point where you've died to self, it's not about the outcome. It's not about any of it. Right, right. It, it, Obviously, it, the outcome a bigger, is... Yeah. There's a bigger bird's eye view. The bigger bird's bigger eye picture, view. Bigger, God's got a bigger Yeah, God's got a bigger plan. And it's not about the outcome because we know in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, 
Some of the people were delivered from the lion's den, but most of them were eaten by the lions. And they're all in mm-hmm. God's hall of fame, God's hall of faith, you know, if you will. So, um, mm-hmm. like, you're right. And I think going back to what you said a minute ago about trying to get this person delivered, <clears throat> excuse me, so that your life is easier, is very narrow-minded, short-sighted, and it's mm-hmm. not God's goal. It's not God's agenda. It's not God's idea to get you delivered so you can have a nice, peaceful life. I mean, he he is all about my yoke is easy, my burden is light, um, and he wants us to trust in him, and that's his whole goal, that he will carry us, He we can trust and rely upon him, and when we do that, he will keep us in perfect peace, even mm-hmm. in the midst of a fiery trial. But until that point, when we're still struggling, and I think that's not, that's not only with human beings, but I was just thinking uh, a lot of people like with anxiety, they will in the morning, they wake up, they're so paralyzed, they're so tormented, so afraid that they can't even start the day and they're feeling like somehow they've got to fight this spirit, they've got to overcome this ang- because we're told to overcome, overcome, overcome. But people don't know how to overcome and they think it's by more wrestling, more striving, more freaking out, more fretting, more struggle. And it's really about surrendering. It's really about, God, I can't do this. God, you're going to have to do this. Holy Spirit, this is your problem. This is your job. Uh, and then when you start to give it to Jesus or let him take it, it's probably easier to just let the Lord take it because we can't even lift it up to him. It's so. And how many times have we already given it to him? Just say, Lord, take this. Not, not necessarily take this cup from me, but take me through this for your glory. You're not going to let me cave and crash here. You are with me. Um, and at that point where you know that Christ is with you, he's going with us through our afflictions. Did you have a point like that in your life yes. when you realized you're not alone? Okay. Tell it's us about that. It's huge. It's huge. I started going through the Psalms about a month ago. I started at Psalm 15. I was each day going through a couple of Psalms, and it was unbelievable how much the Psalms were exactly what I was dealing with at the exact uh-huh. time, and they uh-huh. had the answers. And let me just give you one example. Like I said, uh-huh. David, all through the Psalms, people were slandering his character, gossiping about him, saying malicious things, distorting truth, attacking him. I mean, just horrible, uh-huh. gloating uh-huh. on him. He was a laughing stock. And let me just give you an example from Psalm 37. And you just said about not having anxiety or worry. I mean, there's so many Christians that give um, platitudes, like, you know, God is molding you right now. God is shaping you. It's okay. This is for your good. Like, don't we know all those things in our head. We know what the yeah. Scripture says. We know that we're supposed to, you know, praise God during this time. Yeah. But it's so much easier said than done. Because yeah. when there's a real deep attack, it takes a really deeper level of dying to self. And mm-hmm. um, I just want to give you an example of Psalm 37. The answers are here. He said, don't don't worry because of evildoers. So you just said, you know, don't anxious, don't be anxious, don't worry. Don't um, fret. Trust, yeah. trust, rely on, and have confidence in the Lord and do good. Mm-hmm. Dwell in the land and feed securely on his faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you Mm -hmm. the desires and petitions of your heart. Commit Mm -hmm. your way to the Lord. Trust in him also, and he will do it. He will make your righteousness, your pursuit of right standing with God, like the light, and your judgment like the shining of the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him and entrust yourself to him. Do not fret, whine, agonize because of him Mm -hmm. who prospers in his way. Because of the man who carries out wicked schemes, cease mm-hmm. from anger and abandon wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. Here is my light bulb moment. It mm-hmm. leads only to evil. Okay, so uh. 
what I realize yeah. is I need to get to a point where this person's sin isn't causing me to sin. Right. So right. I'm Do sinning good. Mm-hmm. when I'm so I'm sinning when I'm anxious, when I'm worried, when I'm getting angry, when I'm lashing out, when I'm upset, when I'm depressed, when I'm discouraged, when I'm down and out. So all that sin. But it's it's so many different layers of sin. For example, I can speak out towards someone in a harsh tone. That's using my tongue in anger. But I also can have horrible thoughts in my mind. So when I went through stages where I thought, okay, I'm going to be silent and not say anything and just extend grace, but my mind was saying, oh, my gosh, he's being such a jerk. You know what I mean? Like my my mind was saying things, even though my tongue was tamed. But then also we can feel feelings in my in our heart, like just right. this, this, just this anger and this isn't fair and the injustice of it and we're getting so upset about it. But then also my stomach would just be a knot, and I'm, I'm, you carry a lot of emotion and hurt in your stomach because as I, I'd go through stages of, okay, I can't lash out, I can't say anything back, I would just hold all of this in my stomach. Well, that's sin too. So God showed me all the layers of my equation because what, what I did is I prayed, God, how do I get out of this defensive posture? How do I get on the offense? And what he showed me is only focus on your half of the equation, only focus on you. And right now, their sin is causing you to sin. Mm-hmm. So how or how to be God, tempted to I, sin? How do I believe. not sin? How well, do here's I not the deal. Sin? Well, here's the deal. I believe that the devil is trying to get you to to believe that your feelings, the thoughts that are going through your head for that person, the you know the, the temptations to be afraid, to be angry, to be upset, to feel hurt, to think evil thoughts, they start as temptations. They don't start as a sin. You can't, because otherwise, if that were a sin that that was in your head, right. then you'd be responsible right. for every thought you didn't think and every right. thought the devil put in your head. So there has to be a point where well, you come into say, an agreement. Though, if, you think about a, if you think about adultery, you've committed adultery. If you lust after a woman, you've committed adultery. So it is right. in your but the thing is, there is a, there is a point where it starts out as a thought from Satan, a temptation to lust, or to, he mm-hmm. puts an image in your mind or your heart. If and at, at some point you ca- cross over a line that we don't know what that is, like, for example, I say to people, okay, so, um, you know, there's you know, um, the, the sword of the word of God is able to separate even to the um, intention and the thought, thought the, between a thought and an intention. And an intention is a, a desire, decision to act on the thought. So where does the thought or temptation Satan's putting in your mind to fear, to feel hurt, to feel revenge, whatever, where does that cross over into a sin? We don't know, but the sword, the word of God does know. So I believe this is our our, our saving grace because if the devil could just pummel you with harassing thoughts and feelings and your stomach hurts and you're all tied up in a knot, he's got you. You have to recognize that at some point there's a place yeah. where where God knows your heart and you cry out to God and say, God, you know my heart. I don't even know my heart anymore. I don't even know if I've crossed over into a sin. I don't want to sin. This is not me. And at that point where you realize this is what the enemy is trying to do to come at you from another side as well, internally as well as externally. There's an this internal the battle. At your, yes, the deal, Margie. I can start, okay, for example, last Monday, um, I got really upset. I was in a really bad situation. It was really unfair. There was a lot of injustice. And my mind started reeling with just anger. My stomach was in a knot. 
Mm-hmm. And in the psalm, what does he say? Delight yourself in the Lord. That's right. all he's asking us to do on a daily basis. Delight mm-hmm. yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires and petitions of your heart. So God knows the outcome I want of this situation, and all he's saying is daily delight in me. So what I did is I thought, okay, God, I'm going to delight in you right now. <laughs> and I went down across the street and sat on the pier, and just the sun was setting over the water, and I just sat there for two hours. Mm-hmm. And I had some worship music on, and I just praised him and thanked him. I focused on his character, and I delighted myself in him. And there were all these people driving by in their boats and having fun. It was a beautiful night. And I thought, man, this summer has been horrible. I haven't gotten to do any of the things I enjoy. But then all of a sudden I realized, wait a minute, do the people in these boats know God to the level I've gotten to know him this summer? Would Mm -hmm. I trade it? I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I realized I am so much better off because I'm here with God in such a powerful way that I wouldn't be in this place if it wasn't for the struggle I was going through. But all he said is delight in me. Then what happened? My mind was going through his character and how awesome he is and how he's here for me and how he's near and how he provides. He took the pain out of my stomach. He healed my broken heart. By the time I left the dock, I couldn't remember what I went there upset about. I had been completely (laughs) delivered from it. So that stopped, whether we call the sin in our mind or out of our mouth, whatever whatever point it's in, we know that that Satan's always tempting us, the battles in our mind. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't know at what point it becomes sin or not sin, but we know Mm -hmm. the thoughts in our mind are temptations. But what it is, is God says, renew your mind. Tame your mm-hmm. tongue, guard your mm-hmm. heart. And, you know, even the emotions in our stomach that we hold in, he can take those and heal them. So mm-hmm. the key is delighting in him. That Absolutely. disarms Jezebel. That disarms a fall. When we That's delight right. in the Lord. It causes you to grow deeper and stronger in God and more fortified yes. against the attacks of the enemy. So she weakens yes. her grip and her grasp. It's, yes. Yeah. And then the next, exactly. and the next day I thought a situation happened where this first person would have a light bulb moment. And they didn't, and they were just as mean to me as ever. And I had a downward, down, downward spiral again. And I'm like, oh, now I'm supposed to go back to praising you? Like, I am so exhausted. I've cried so much. I don't even have the energy to cry. Or I'm just, I opened the Psalms, and David was saying, you know, I have no crying. I, there's no more that's tears. Easy. Tears have dried yeah. up. My mouth is mm-hmm. parched. And that's what I felt like. I felt like I couldn't swallow. My mouth was parched. I was exhausted. And you know mm-hmm. what he said? He said, he went through again about his enemies coming up against him, and he said, my hope is in the Lord alone. And mm-hmm. in that, there is no discouragement. And I realized, like, I had just mm-hmm. gotten my hopes up again of this person turning around. And God was okay. showing, no, you only hope in me. That's so right. if I Take only you. put my hope in yep. God and I delight in God, this is so simple. What he's asking us to do on a daily basis is it's so faith. simple. Walking delight in, in me. Yeah. Yep. That's why and you know, you know the guy that the guy that wrote it as well was my soul. You know, he had just lost his wife and his kids, and how could he sit out there and pen the song as well with my soul? It's because he got this. He got this Amen. because in delighting in the Lord, there is no um, weapon that can be formed against us. It disarms right. Jezebel because you know, you know that your hope is in God, and God never fails. And I think for people who are trouble, troubled, this Psalm thirty-seven. Uh, about fretting because of evildoers, workers of iniquity, trusting in the Lord, dwelling and feeding on his faithfulness, delighting yourself in the Lord. That's what you did. Delight. Then the next step, God says, now your hope is in me. He's training you one step at a time. 
to keep your, you know, and, and even to keep our focus on the Lord. This is what I would say uh, in the midst of these fiery trials. Holy Spirit, you do that work. You caused me to keep my eyes on Jesus. You caused me to delight myself in him. You give me strength. I'm asking you to give me the strength that I need to praise God, to delight, to uh, keep you know my eyes fixed upon him, that I might rest patiently for him. And really, seriously, Dana, with this very individualized trial that you're going through, gone through, this is totally perfect for everyone in the, in the body of Christ, the remnant, the bride. In these coming days, we are going to have to absolutely do the same thing in, in, in regard to the persecution that is coming upon us um, by society, by the New World Order, by those who hate us, that we must delight ourselves in God. We must look for his coming, His long for his appearing, uh, delight ourselves in him, and feed on his faithfulness. And, and I am comforted in these terrible bits of news that come every day, new ways of uh, new information about how we're deteriorating and degenerating and slipping towards judgment. I have to just say, I know that God is faithful. I know he's coming back. He's going to make things right. He's bringing with him justice and vindication um, and validation. Um, and, and I'm excited. It actually causes me to be eager for the, the return of the Lord when he can correct all these things. And in the meantime, the only one thing that we have left to do down here, really, is to tell people about Jesus and help people stay strong in him. Uh, not help, It's not our job, but to teach and to encourage and to uh, edify. Um, and to yeah, I'd like... Go ahead. Yeah, I'd like to talk about the the word overcome. You know, we're told mm-hmm. to be overcomers, and um, I think it's disturbing. I was I was looking at overcome in the book of Revelation. It's mentioned twelve times alone. Uh-huh. What disturbed me though is we're called to become an overcomer, but in the end, it says that um, Antichrist overcomes the saints. Right. And I was really bothered by that because I thought, yeah. why is it we're told to be overcomers, but then he overcomes us? Well, mm-hmm. he really does overcome the saints in the end physically in that he's killing them off and everything, but he can never overcome us spiritually. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you said about Jesus coming back and getting the vindication, once we, you know, are in the millennial reign and, and you know, the end of time, that's when there will be justice, right. earthly justice. Exactly. But up to that point, we're not going to get earthly justice. The oh, Antichrist is going to overcome us in that he is going to kill, but he can't destroy. That's what I realized in this whole process. No one can take away my relationship with God. Well, no one exactly. can take it away from you. That's right. They can kill Daniel. your body, but they yeah. can't take away your they can't take yeah. away your relationship with God. But the word yeah. overcome is used twelve times in Revelation and I found out that the word overcome stems from the word Nike. Uh-huh. And you think of Nike, Nike shoot. Nike, uh-huh. isn't that N-I-K-I. interesting? Interesting, very. I wonder if they yeah. did their homework. Well, Nike means um, carry off the victory. Carry off. So victory. if 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 we're going to carry off the victory, that implies that there's a battle. Mm-hmm. So life here is not a playground; it's a battlefield. Right. Exactly. And we're meant to carry off the victory. Um, mm-hmm. How do we do that? We remain steadfast through trials. We resist the power of temptation. We resist the world system. We stand firm. We, we resist the lures that Satan uses, whatever they are. We endure mm-hmm. to the end. We persevere. We prevail. That's what it means to overcome. And if you look in Revelation, it's astounding. 
what we get for overcoming. Now, overcoming this Antichrist system is not easy. It must not be easy because when you look at um, what we get for overcoming, it -hmm. says that we get the privilege to eat the fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. We get the Mm -hmm. privilege of eating some of the hidden manna. We get to receive a white stone with a new name engraved on the stone, which no one knows except for us who receive it. Mm -hmm. We will be given authority and the power over nations. We will be dressed in white clothing. Our name will not be blotted out of the book of life. Jesus will confess our name openly and acknowledge it before God the Father and the angels, saying, he is one of mine. So imagine Jesus is looking at you saying, he is one of mine, and he's going before God to acknowledge your name. And Mm -hmm. he also makes you a pillar in the temple of God. Mm -hmm. He writes your name He writes on you the name of God and the name of the city of God, the new Jerusalem, and you get the privilege of sitting beside Jesus on the throne. Mm -hmm. That's what it lists in the book of Revelations when you look at overcome, the rewards Mm -hmm. for overcoming. Wow. Um, And he says that amazing. He says, it is done. I'm the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the one who thirsts, I will give water from the fountain of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes the world by adhering faithfully to Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior will inherit these things and I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowards, the unbelieving, Mm -hmm. the abominable who are devoid of character and personal integrity and practice or tolerate immorality and murderers and sorcerers with intoxicating drugs and idolaters and occultists who practice and teach false religions and all the liars who knowingly deceive and twist truth, their part will be in the lake that blazes with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Yes. Wow. But can I say something about this overcoming? A lot. Of, if you take this command, if you will, or this uh, exhortation to overcome in the context and, and try to work it out in the context of the gospel of grace that's mixed with law, with performance, with works that we've been so trained up to do, if we take it within the, that context, we will fail. Because the only way Absolutely. we're going to overcome is to die, as you're going to probably we'll talk die about more self. next time. To, so yeah. He's totally to, to be dead, reckon the old man dead, and be alive to Christ. And then as we overcome, it is through the Spirit of God. It is God's Spirit in us that prevails. And so it's not about me trying to be good and be forgiving nope. and be perfect. And I, I don't even know what over. You know, I can write I, a book I on every dead end through self-help effort. Yeah, I can write yeah, a book that's on what, every yeah. dead end yeah. I reached in trying to stop this through self-effort. Even when I thought I was resting in God, even when I thought right. I was totally putting in his hands, it's a deeper level of dying well, to self, yeah. a very deep but every, level. But see, greater, at every, every level where God taught you, you, you thought, this will work. Okay, this is what the Bible says. Exactly. I'll do this. I'll forgive. I'll give grace. I'll become the doormat, and and at some point that becomes ridiculous because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're actually because of love you're giving them a license to sin. Exactly. Whereas in the Old Testament, the law had provoked them to the point where they couldn't even love or do good. Now Satan's flipped the coin, and so he's using grace and forgiveness, and and Christians are all tangled up in this. I don't know how to approach my enemy. Should I forgive him? Should I love him? Because the enemy is saying. The world is saying, you've got to forgive us, you've got to condone this, you've got to love us, because if you don't love us, if, if you judge us, then you're, you know, you're, you're not Christians. And so we're very confused about how to do this. But at every level, whether it's on a personal or uh, a, a global level, 
we as the bride of Christ, as individual members of that bride, as individuals going through our own fiery trials, I really believe, need, as you did, you learned one dead end. Okay, that doesn't work because whatever, what was wrong with that? Well, there's nothing wrong with it except you're going deeper, deeper, deeper to the place where you are abandoned. Um, you are no longer, it's not about you. It's not about your sin. It's not about even about overcoming. It's not about getting justice. It's not about uh, your reputation. It's not about, you know, what they're saying about you. It doesn't matter. Jesus... When he went to the cross, you know, he dealt with people in different ways, different people, different ways. He had the, the prostitutes, the sinners who he was kind to, patient with, Zacchaeus, didn't scold him for stealing all that stuff. Um, you know, the, the woman taken in adultery, um, you know, he, he, he got her off. I mean, he, he brought her to the identity of who she really was. Uh, she's a forgiven daughter of God. You, you know, he was very kind. But when you come to the Pharisees, the religious know-it-alls, the, the blasphemers who thought they were doing out of service, he was actually very, very in their face. You know, you brood of vipers, you whited walled sepulchers, you, your father the devil. And yet when he himself was being beaten and whipped and scourged, he didn't become a doormat. He didn't become a victim. He didn't feel sorry for himself. He didn't even respond to them. There was maybe at that point pointless to say anything. It wasn't necessary. The few things he said on the cross were monumental. When he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He, he All the way through his trial, Jesus Christ had advantage, is that he spent time with the Father. He knew who the Father was, and he knew who he was. He absolutely knew who he was, and he did not take anything that was said or done to him personally because it was not about him. It says in, I think it's Matthew, says, if, if they reject you, if they reject you, it's because they have rejected me. So he knew that the rejection, the hatred, the contempt against him was really meant for the Father, meant for, for, the, for, for God, and so God the Father. And so he kept, he kept his focus on the Lord. He knew who he was. So if you know who you are, you know, these things that are meant to be personal, so, you know, they slam you personally, they take away your character, don't take it personally because it's not about you. And as you, as you recognize, it's about the battle, it's about the hatred Satan has for us because we love God and about the hatred that he has for God. Uh, then it gets a, gives you a whole different perspective on the whole thing. Like you said earlier, a bird's eye view of what's going on yeah. in the spiritual war. Yeah, even Margie, when I went to the scriptures, it was confusing because I looked up all the scriptures on um, gossip and accusation and blame and things like that. And mm-hmm. some of the scriptures would say, you know, um, treat them gently, kindly, you know, speak the truth and love kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But then other scriptures say, separate from them, treat them like yeah. a tax collector. So I'm like, right. why is one time he's saying I should separate them and treat them like a tax collector and have nothing to do with them? And then on the other hand, I'm supposed to be treating them gently and kind. And so even that was um, Absolutely. confusing to me. How do I Absolutely. how do I reconcile that? Well, here's and, the how do I's again. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm interrupting. Mm-hmm. I think what it comes down to is that my sheep know my voice. So what is he asking me to do? He's asking me to listen to him each day and guide me. And um, I noticed that when Jesus uh, addressed his apostles before he died, you know, he had that whole discourse on, I am the vine, you are the branches, remain in me, you will bear fruit, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, he then goes on to say, if the world hates you, know Mm -hmm. that it hated me before it hated you. Hated you. Mm -hmm. And he, he says in there, he says, they hated me without a cause. So mm-hmm. if they hated him without a cause, that means that this was a great injustice. He was mm-hmm. at the epitome of false accusation. 
Right. But then he says, but I'm going to send you a helper, a comforter, an advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby. I'm going to mm-hmm. send him. I need to go, but the spirit of truth is going to come, and he will testify and bear witness. And mm-hmm. he says then, I have told you these things, things that you will not stumble or be caught off guard and fall away. They will make mm-hmm. you outcast. So the world's going to make you outcast. He said, the time is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering a service to God. Right. And um, then he says, I'm going to go now. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he's going <laughs> to lead you into, um, you know, he's going to convict the world of sin and righteousness. Mm-hmm. And uh, in righteousness, righteousness is personal integrity, godly character. And uh, he says, um, you know, he's going to convict the world of it. And mm-hmm. because the ruler of this world has been judged and condemned. Mm-hmm. And then what he says next, I highlighted. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. In mm-hmm. the world you will have tribulation, have tribulation and distress and suffering. But be mm-hmm. courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. I have overcome the world. So mm-hmm. there it is. He's the ultimate overcomer. He says, I have overcome yeah. the world. And in My him we overcome. Yeah, my conquest is accomplished, my victory abiding. So that's his whole discourse before he died, and he gives the answer. He says, I have overcome the world. And as we're in um, him, we've overcome. Going back to that question of, you know, what what time is it? Is it time to turn the other cheek, go the second mile, or or is it time to shake the dust off? My sheep know my voice. You have to be led by the Holy Spirit. Absolutely, because the Holy Spirit's going to tell you what time it is. It's not a question of boundaries. Or, or balance, or or striving, or trying, and, and and that's because the word of God, as it's written, cannot be fulfilled without the Holy Spirit doing it in us. And so, like when when you're talking about, well, you know, I, thou shalt not gossip, don't do this, don't do that, da da da. None of that stuff can really be truly accomplished except through the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus, I can imagine Dana when he said uh, to the disciples, "Okay, I'm going away now. I'm sending the Holy Spirit." Can you imagine the freak out? Who's the Holy Spirit? What's going on here? Where are you going? I don't know what's going what, what, what is And you went after the crucifixion. I would think the day after those three days, probably the worst, darkest, horrible, most horrible days of their ever of their lives. And Jesus said, go to the upper room, stay there until, the, well, after the 40 days, he said, go to the upper room, stay there, don't leave until the Holy Spirit comes. Don't even come out because, you know, you're no match for anything out there. And so there's no way... We can fulfill the word of God as it's intended to be fulfilled, except through the Holy Spirit, who, like you said, counsels us, gives us guidance, causes us to overcome, because in the end, it is his overcoming, his, his, yeah. uh, his this, life yeah, in us. This is how impossible it is to overcome this on our own. I mean, we're talking about character slander and all that, but if you look in Revelation at how Satan or Antichrist overcomes the saints, yeah, it mentions Sodom, Egypt, and Jerusalem. So you think mm-hmm. of Sodom, that's that's through the control Actual of our perversion. lust, mm-hmm. perversion, drunkenness, mm-hmm. gluttony, hedonism, pleasures of the flesh, immoral yeah. satisfaction. Then you look yeah. at Egypt, desires of the world, lust of the eyes, prosperity, which we're seeing this mm-hmm. in the church too, success, wealth, worldly materialism. Then you look at Jerusalem, that's the pride of life, the desire for preeminence. This is the religious spirit of Babylon, yep. man of yep. God. Yep. And mm-hmm. we're looking for status and praise. There's the Pharisee spirit. So those three are coming up against us, and it is impossible for me to be an overcomer. I mean, we have no chance apart from God. We're no so match. That's why no, match has, no, that's why it has to be a complete dying 
a self. It's consecrating ourselves to but, God. But reaching in every way, God. in every way, we have been trained by the world system, trained by the religious system, uh, trained to overcome, whether it's getting rid of going on a diet, getting rid of an addiction. Uh, we're, we're just strapped and trapped in striving to overcome something in the natural, in our own strength, through the self-help methods, through the treatment programs, whatever. And these are just such a distraction, such a waste, and they're all doomed to failure. And then, of course, once you fail, mm-hmm. fail, fail, after a while you're trained into believing there is no overcoming. You know, I'm done. That's where people are despairing, despondent. There is no hope. There is no overcoming. There is no victory for me because I've never seen it. And because we are so familiar with the things we've seen, we become um, com- committed to the failure that we see going on around us, in us, and through us all the time. We, we get familiar with that. That becomes a controlling spirit that I don't see it anymore. That's why we need to read the Word of God, truly with the Holy Spirit and through the eyes of the Spirit, because um, otherwise the Word of God just looks like a whole bunch more things to do and that God's really mad at us and He's very unhappy most of the time, and we're in trouble all the time. Uh, but if you read yeah. it through the Spirit... You you start to say, wow, this is really a love letter. This is really a love story. Whoa, did God do that for me? I mean, and he's going to do all of this. He's going to protect me from this vile. See, people, if they don't put the devil in the equation and you don't believe there's spiritual warfare, nothing makes any sense to begin with. Mm-hmm. Pointless mm-hmm. to even be here, you know. Mm-hmm. There's there's no point to any of this without right. God, without the war, uh, as the explanation. And yet, as you said in the end, the overcoming, uh, sitting with Christ in his throne, ruling and reigning, you know, all of the things he's given us to do, to give us, to reward us. We can't even comprehend all that stuff right now. All we know is that he, he's he got us. He's got you. He's got you guys. It's okay. You're okay because the Lord is with you. And if you knew that you were okay and you were okay with being okay, even in the midst of a crucible and a fiery trial, you know, the work would have, of the Spirit is done. It is always done. The test is the beginning of a testimony. The test is the trial that proves um, God's faithfulness to us more than anything. It doesn't just prove my faithfulness to God. It proves God's faithfulness to me. And uh, this is the this is his love towards us. Um, praise God. Let me just read out of Second Chronicles. It said, uh, For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor mm-hmm. do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Then the Spirit of the Lord came and said, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. You will not yeah. need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Amen. Most of us and are Psalm not. We're, says, we're not too willing Psalm, to stand still. <laughs> yeah, and in Psalms it says, um, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle my loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and the one in whom I take refuge who subdues my people under me. So David can all train up for war, but what did he say? It's the Lord who subdues. Amen. He knew that. Yes. He learned that. Joseph learned that, the faithfulness of God. Joseph in the, the, um, well, both Josephs, but actually the Joseph who was lifted out of prison, um, uh, Moses learned that. Uh, Peter learned that. Paul learned that. And, and these are the great men and women of God who learned that. Mary Magdalene learned that. The woman taken in adultery learned that. And if they learned that, we can learn it too by the Spirit. And that's why it's so cool that the Holy Spirit lives right inside of us. You are not alone. I had somebody text me this morning. 
I'm dealing with severe abandonment issues. Do, is there anybody who can help me? I texted back, Jesus. <laughs> he never leaves us or forsakes us. The Holy Spirit, he's sent to dwell inside of us. So really all of this about trying to figure it out, be strong, it's be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It's the faith of Jesus Christ that works in us. You are more because than a conqueror. You've, you've already overcome it, even though you might be going through this and go through those dark nights and those crying and uh, we can't cry anymore. Can't. But listen, let go of your crusty old ideas and ways in life. Think you are what you see yourself to be, your experiences. Let go. Your experiences do not define you. The Lord God defines you. His word defines you. His Holy Spirit is here to lead us into all truth and victory. And even as we go forward in this place, of overcoming and going on the offense, as Dana's talking about, even as we're going forward in, in marching towards what probably most of us would per- determine to be our death. You know, whether we get to die for Jesus as a martyr or we get raptured out, either or both are quite exciting, actually. But as we march towards that final uh, confrontation where the enemy will confront us to uh, test us to the point of death, will will God be faithful? Absolutely. He will be faithful. And as we know who he is now, as we live for him now, we'll be able to die for him then if we need to. And, and God, to God be the glory for whatever he's doing. We have got to get rid of these junky, old, worn out, useless, pointless mindsets built on our experiences and the lies that Satan has used to build those experiences to craft and define you. Stop. You know, I let the Lord show you when you're in a problem, when you're in this battle, if you are in a situation like Dana's been describing Ask the Lord to show you what is he doing in the midst of this for you and through you and to you. What does he want you to know? What's the truth he wants you to know? What's the lie you're believing? And walk in the Spirit. And as you learn to walk in the Spirit, there is a deep sense of reassurance and satisfaction and peace that comes from his Spirit, even as things may be chaotic and critical around you. There's a deep inner strengthening of knowing who you are in God and knowing that he is in you. And that makes, that knowing changes everything. So because yeah, the word I, of God, go ahead. Oh, can I comment to this person who said they have an abandonment issue? Um, mm-hmm. As long as you say you have an abandonment issue, you're going to keep having an abandonment exactly. issue. And just like Absolutely. I kept saying, my, my weakness is accusation, my fear is rejection. The more I said that, the more Satan could then continue to have that as my fear. And by her saying, I have abandonment issues, well, God's going to keep allowing you to feel abandoned until he relieves you of that fear and relieves you of that issue. So and until is, you give up the lie, because you're, you're agreeing yeah, with the identity. You're uh, agreeing. The, yeah. So, with your identity so being shaped by Satan that I'm abandoned, I'm no good, I'm poor me, or whatever it is that you're agreeing with. And the only good thing about verbalizing it is to know that, aha, that is the enemy. That is the spirit of rejection convincing me, tutoring me, teaching me, training me to believe that or reinforcing that lie in me. So I would pray to God um, over and over, like, you know, about this fear of rejection I have. And he brought rejection upon rejection upon rejection from all the people that I thought would never reject me. Every single well, one here's, of them rejected me. So Dana, he, that, per- he had to permit that. He he didn't right. bring it, God, but he, he because Satan right. is also making the petitions for your exactly. life, right? Right. Exactly. So he granted Satan's he petition because it. you were in agreement with exactly. unknowingly, unknowingly exactly. you were agreeing with that lie through a passive agreement or an implied consent or exactly. just just murmuring to yourself. 
you're agreeing with giving the devil permission. So God, okay, God, guys, you get this? Don't don't make they make this so hard for me. I've got to now give it back to the devil because you've agreed with them. And so it's not like God gives right. it, but God has got to allow it. I believe. Exactly. He's, he's, yeah. Exactly. We know that God doesn't bring us evil, but Satan right. initiates it and a lot, and right. then he accuses, and then God allows uh-huh. it to be to the job. But exactly. my point is, is that um, God kept allowing the rejection of people until I came to this ultimate rejection that I couldn't even imagine ever of happening. It was beyond my wildest dreams. But I kept saying, God, why does this keep happening? Like this vicious cycle that plagues me, this generational mm-hmm. thing. It's like I'm cursed. Yeah. And what, when I went to the Psalms, I realized when I hit Psalm 34 that um, what was happening to me, he allowed, he means to deliver me from my fears. So That's because right. I went to the greatest rejection in my life just recently, the greatest rejection I could possibly have from anyone, mm-hmm. what he made me realize is that he will never reject me. He was here when no one else was. When everyone else turned their backs, he was here. And so how can I fear rejection when I can never be rejected from him? And so this right. person that fears abandonment, once mm-hmm. you get to the point where you realize God will never abandon you. People may yeah. abandon you. There, there's no guarantee. Let you down. Even the people mm-hmm. that you think you can trust the most can abandon you. And you're vulnerable. And it doesn't have to be a fear because in the end, no one can take away your relationship with God, and God mm-hmm. will never abandon you. So there's nothing to fear in that state yeah. because you no longer fear man. You no right. longer are putting your hope in this world. That's, well, again, a dying to self, dying to your dreams, dying of your expectations, dying of what you want in your life, dying of what you expect to have in relationships because you're relying too much on earthly relationships for your sense of security. So God says, okay, I'm going to take away these earthly relationships. Do you find that I'm the only one that you can be secure in? I'm the only mm-hmm. one that's going to be faithful to you. And I'm mm-hmm. the only sure footing and rock and um, the only foundation you can stand on. So in that, you're released from your issue of abandonment. Exactly. Because God will never abandon you. It's an awesome right. and I like and, then, I, and you get that through praise. Praise him and you'll realize when everybody's abandoned you, he's there for you more well, than ever. He's so tender so. and sweet how he's there in the worst times. He, and that tr- he'll that be praise there in such truly, a strong way. That, that praise is coming from a thankful heart, a grateful heart, and a heart that's been set free from the torment. So going back to what you said, Psalm 34, verse 4, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. And those fears are the lies that you've been believing, whether whatever that is, if it's a rejection or abandonment, or self-pity, or hopelessness, or despair. And, you know, I, I think uh, this is amazing. I want to just go back for one second to, to Matthew chapter 10, where he's talking about we're going to be persecuted. They're going to bring us before um, our enemies in the courts, and beware of men. Uh, they'll deliver you up to the councils and discourage you in their synagogues, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But in the end of that, we have the exact answer that you're talking about, Dana. That, that chapter, he says... Um, Verse 39 of 10, Matthew 10:39. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. So the, the, the self, Powerful. losing of the self, is the solution to all of the accusations, persecutions, and um, whatever those, whether they're internal, external, or both. And so 
let's do this. Let's wrap it up for for the day. Mm-hmm. But Dana, I'd okay. love to have you come back. I know you've got more to talk to us about. So join us mm-hmm. next week again with Dana. And do you have a title for next week? I know you're going to do something with. Um, I don't. Was... We'll okay, see. you have I a think, list of verbs or adjectives. The bride wearing combat boots. I heard this. Oh, there you go. Someone wrote a book called The Bride Wore Combat Boots, and that, I don't know, I just saw the quote from that book, but I, yeah. I've never read the book. I think it's a book that was written a while ago, and I'd like to buy it. Mm-hmm. But it just hit me, that whole image of a bride wearing combat boots, that's what we need, because our bride is not up for the battle. I have yeah. a brother who's an atheist, and he sees what's going on in the world, and he said, Dana, the things that are happening in the world, you told me about five years ago you predicted these things. Mm-hmm. And he sees it all happening now. And he said to me, he said, you know what, you know what, he said the church is going to be the next thing majorly attacked. Um, Mm -hmm. And he said, you know what upsets me about Christians? He said they sit back and do nothing because they're too forgiving. They just sit back and they're all meek saying, oh, we forgive, we forgive, and they're not fighting. And I just Mm -hmm. had the image of the bride wearing combat boots. And how do we stand up and fight in this? Um, hostile world, like I said, that's yes. becoming more increasingly hostile towards Christians, and it will become exponentially oh. more um, hostile in these coming years. So yeah, Exactly. So part two next week of being an overcomer in this increasingly hostile world, uh, the bride wears combat boots. Join us. And by the way, guys, uh, put on your calendars October 17th. Um, I'm doing a conference in Minneapolis at Rogers, Minnesota right outside of Minneapolis, uh, called um, un- un- Untangling the Lies. Um, untangling the Lies Before, Get to the Lies Before the Lies Get to You. And it's really for people who need to understand the truth to be untangled so they can be warriors and soldiers. Get their combat boots on. This is for people who uh, are counselors, people who want to learn how to, to uh, minister to others because, Dana, I really believe in these last days, and I just heard this prophecy last night from somebody again, that we're going to be inundated with people who want to know what to do, coming for help, afraid, terrified, and we need to have resources and, uh, I think, an infrastructure that helps people to understand exactly what you're talking about today. So we want to bless all of you. God bless you, Dana. Have an awesome week, everyone. Thank you. You too. And uh, thank you you for sharing with us today. It's been so incredible. Uh, Sorry we didn't take anybody's calls, but we were on a roll. And we just love you, so (laughs) we know that you'll be listening again next week. October 17th, Rogers. Check the website, liferecovery.com. Dana, do you have any uh, places where they can go to find out more about you? Um, Not really. I did my DVD, and I didn't um because of this whole situation i was in i uh i didn't um print off more copies but i do have 200 copies that i'd like to just be able to use and give out for free i'm not selling any of them but if anybody's interested i do have falling to pieces uh dvd and um they can reach me yes it's www.fallingtopieces but pieces is spelled p-e-a-c-e-s so it's falling, T-O-2, um, pieces, P-E-A-C-E-S dot com. And uh, they can contact through, through there, um, email me. And if anybody's interested in getting a copy of Falling to Pieces, I, I can make that available for free. Awesome. Wow, that's generous. Well, thank you, my dear. 
And you have awesome. You all have an awesome week. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you. Talk to you later.